from Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Hey, hey, hey. Good day, good day, good day, good day. Thank you for listening to our show and our podcast. Uh, We welcome you. This is Rated LGBT Radio, and I am your host, Rob Watson. Um, We are, I love shows like the one we're having today um, for a lot of reasons. Um, We have a special guest who is waiting on deck, Michael D. Cohen, and not to be confused with the Michael Cohen of the Trump Balderall and all that, but uh, this is our own special Michael D. Cohen. You may know him from... Henry Danger on Nickelodeon. He is Schwaz Schwartz on that show, and I believe that show has come to an end, and the new show is Danger Force, and he reprises his role there as well. So super, super exciting. And, you know, it's being a gay dad and having written as for years as a gay dad in commentary, et cetera, um, and Nickelodeon has always been a big part of my kids' lives, and so it's it's really thrilling to have somebody who's part of the Nickelodeon team on board here. But uh, Michael is going to be coming on to not talk about that show. And, well, that's not true. We're going to ask him about that show. So uh, we'll, we'll have some conversation there. But the really big deal that he is coming on to talk to us about is this incredible first-of-its-kind-ever initiative that he is instituting for kids who want to become actors and who are themselves trans or and or non-binary. Um, the issue with trans actors has, has been filled with conversations, and I'm sure we'll have some of that today. Um, but this is an initiative that is really, I think, hugely, hugely productive. And um, super excited about the idea behind it, and uh, we're going to find out all about that when uh, we bring Michael on. So um, great show today. Um, keep listening. Hang on. Actually, call your friends. Tell them to, to get on the podcast and listen with you um, because it is definitely going to be worth it, um, as it is every week, we promise. Um, in any case, I'm going to bring on my trusted cohort and co-host, Brody Levesque. Brody, how are you doing today? Hey, I am good, relatively speaking. Good afternoon, good day, good morning, and we appreciate all of you who listen to us, subscribe to us, uh, and please, as Rob said, tell all your friends about us. So, uh, and I'm excited for the show, too. Uh, I am uh, in my other role, uh, the editor of the Los Angeles Blade newspaper, and one of my young interns, Noah uh, Christensen, had an opportunity uh, to speak uh, with Michael. Uh, Noah's piece will actually be out on the streets of Los Angeles this Friday in a print edition. It's already available uh, online, so I'm excited about this uh, as well, Um, but there's been a couple things going on in the news. Of course, the uh, headliner, uh, if you will, for the LGBTQI community in the United States uh, was the fact that the president-elect of the United States, Joe Biden, nominated former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg 
uh, to the role as Secretary of Transportation designee nominee. Uh, Pete brings uh, an interesting and diversified background uh, to that role. Um, Pete was also the second openly gay man uh, to run for that office. Uh, Fred Carger was actually first, but Pete was second. Um, And Pete is also making history because this is the first time that we've been able to determine that a cabinet-level officer uh, is going to be a member of the LGBTQI community uh, once going through this uh, nomination process, right. the hearing, of course, the four votes. So we're kind of excited about that. Yeah. So what does the Secretary of Transportation do exactly? I mean, we're yet to great Grady's on board, but... So so what's the job? (laughs) Well, Pete's got a big portfolio. Uh, Transportation oversees the Federal Aviation Administration, the National Safety Transportation Board, uh, the National Railroad uh, Administration. Uh, There is an entire level that has to do with federal highways, the Federal Highways Program, which includes the Interstate Highways Program, uh, infrastructure, bridges, uh, roads. And and then, of course, Amtrak falls under – the DOT. So there's a really big portfolio uh, that will be Pete's responsibility uh, as Secretary of Transportation. Um, every interstate highway uh, in the United States gets its funding and directions through the DOT. Uh, certification for safety programs, uh, even for automobile manufacturers, comes from the DOT. Every time you get a new safety option for a vehicle, it's got to go under the scrutiny of the DOT. So there is a lot of things that most Americans probably don't even realize uh, that falls under the transportation uh, department. Uh, when the department was first created in 1966 by then-President Lyndon Johnson, uh, the president noted that the story of America uh, was transportation, which is true. That everything from waterways, navigation, to railroads, highways, and the airways, anything to do with transportation is the DOT, and Pete will be responsible for overseeing all of that. Yeah, I think I think that's really great, and I I love Pete Buttigieg. I think he's super sharp, super talented. Um, you know, he's he's um, got a, a great great background, bridges the gap between you know um, veterans and LGBT people, and um, just you know a really great representative of a a lot of America. And the one thing he kind of was lacking in his run, in my humble opinion, uh, for president, was that executive-level national experience. And um, I think this will, will fuel that and really propel him forward into a, an even more important role in the future. So I think this is a, a really super cool thing. Um, there is one other thing, though, um, and not to – not to um, split hairs, but I think another super exciting thing happened at the federal level this week for LGBTQ people. And to me, it was a bit of a surprise, um, and I'm wondering what you think about it, but a case, and ironically from Indiana where Pete hails from, but a case raised itself to the Supreme Court that could have been used as a weakening point against same-sex marriage. Um, it was a case that uh, Indiana did not want to recognize 
lesbian couples particularly, but, you know, essentially same-sex couples on birth certificates. Um, Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court turned that down, which means that they let it stand that um, that would not be eroded, that same-sex marriage rights would be protected. Um, And given the fear over the new makeup of the court, I really took this as a comforting sign. What was your thoughts on that? What were your thoughts on that? Had the court ruled to hear Satori or basically take the case on and listen to it, um, it would have meant that we probably could have had a literal chipping away at Ogrebafel, which, of course, is the 2015 landmark uh, ruling by the high court that essentially codified same-gender marriage into law, and it would have been another chipping or erosion of that. The fact that the Roberts Court and all the justices, okay, kicked it back uh, tells me that the Roberts Court has no interest in revisiting at least some of the issues that were presented there. Now, that said, the caveat, there are cases that are pending before the court now. There's one case, as a matter of fact, they've already heard oral arguments on, to go to the heart of the religious freedom and religious liberty argument that the white has been uh, using as a tool to discriminate against uh, the LGBTQI plus community. So there are still some exceptions to that. But in this particular um, issue, the court is telegraphing and signaling to the lower courts, the circuit courts, and the district courts uh, that, look, you know, marriage is marriage is marriage. This is all part and parcel of it. So, uh, you know, you don't have, you know, we're, we're not going to sit there and whittle away, uh, or as the Chinese did in eons past, a death by a thousand cuts. It's not going to work that way. So the religious right, unfortunately, will probably find another case to uh, contest Ogremafel. However, I will note that in her confirmation hearing, Justice Barrett indicated that she saw Ogremafel as settled case law, uh, I believe Justice Gorsuch said it, and I think Kavanaugh did too. Um, Justices Alito and Justice Thomas uh, have both come out very strongly against uh, Ogrebefell and same-gender marriage. They said they'd like to have another chance and another go at it. However, the other three uh, justices that have been appointed by President Trump <clears throat> don't seem to be inclined to go there. Right, and and it, it should be noted that on another case with uh, Title IX, um, Neil Gorsuch ruled was actually the factor that um, protected LGBTQ rights. Uh, you know, he he did it with his own rationalization. You know, but still, I I, I just I don't want to be complacent about it, and I think the religious um, you know freedom uh, argument to, as a license to discriminate is a real thing, but I also feel somewhat more secure than an all-out attack on it, um, that that there is some sensibility going on there. Um, so anyway, not to be Pollyanna, but I'm, <laughs> I'm shooting rainbows today. <laughs> so, um, any other uh, story, uh, Brody, before we bring Michael on? I, the, the only other thing, just of note, uh, there was a young uh, trans social influencer uh, uh, that is someone that I know personally uh, that was booted off of TikTok um, and 
Uh, we ran that story yesterday uh, online at the Los Angeles Blade, and the synopsis is she was trolled, and because of the way that the artificial intelligence and the algorithms are geared up for most of these social media platforms, uh, she got too many strikes and she was out. The problem was there was no human eyeballs uh, to make any corrective um, actions. And so she took it to us. Uh, we, I ran the story. Um, and then, as it turns out, I wasn't the only person doing it, uh, which is good. Uh, the more the merrier. Uh, and a trans community in particular is always at the point of attack and under attack. I had reached out to friends, uh, our friends of the show, uh, Aiden Doling and Jamie Wilson, who uh, have huge followings, uh, both trans guys, and uh, they're both activists, and they also pushed the, uh, the story along. And so this morning, the communications folks from TikTok uh, called me to assure me that they would be looking into the matter. Uh, Rosie has called me and said that she's got limited functionality of her TikTok back, uh, but, you know, the fight goes on, and I'd like to point this out to our listeners. And, and, Michael, when you hop on, I'm sure you're going to agree with this. We're fortunate because we have a voice. I'm the editor of one of the largest queer daily newspapers in the United States. Um, Rosie, because of her social media status as an influencer on multiple platforms, has a voice. Michael, you know, as an actor, as a teacher, and as a mentor, you have a voice. Rob? You have a voice. But what about the thousands of young trans kids and queer kids and non-binary kids and even gay and lesbian kids, bi kids across the spectrum? They don't have that voice. And there's no way to combat these algorithms when they do this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm going to wrap one more person into the conversation. Uh, tonight, uh, please make a note, everybody who's listening to me, at 5 Pacific and 8 o'clock Eastern, Michael will be a guest of our dear friend Liz Owen at PFLAG on Instagram Live, uh, talking about what he's going to be talking to me and Rob about here in just a second. But Liz and I spoke about this this morning as well. You know, we need to make sure that we can get these kids who don't have that voice a voice. And, and the way we do it is by amplifying not only just Rosie's stories, but um, – and, and – specifically to what Michael's doing uh, with his uh, teaching trans kids to be, you know, actors. Uh, This is what we need. We've got to lift them up. We've got to amplify. We've got to boost this because these social media companies, by and large, and Facebook is probably the biggest offender of this, although YouTube's not much better, you know, they don't, they rely on their artificial intelligence and their algorithms and their this and their that, and they have their built-in prejudices and all these trolls get out there that don't like the LGBTQI community, right. and they're pretty hateful, and they're able to tip the scales and, and get these kids marginalized and kicked off these platforms. So we need to continue uh, to, to raise the voice. Uh, for the listeners that want to read the story, it's uh, at the Los Angeles Blade, um, and it's uh, you know currently up. It'll be in the paper on Friday. Um, and it's just, it's an important thing. TikTok deleted my account because I'm a Latina trans woman uh, is the headline for the piece. Please go read it. Uh, Rosie also has a change.org petition uh, that she started up because of this issue. We need to get the voices that aren't so fortunate, like 
you know, myself, you, Rob, Michael, and as Liz pointed out, those of us that have the ability to say something, we need to lift these other voices up, sign a petition, let's get these social media companies to start paying attention to our community. And with that, right. Rob, I'll throw it to you. Well, yeah, I was going to, I kept wanting to jump in, especially when you said you were a Latina trans woman. I went, uh, no, you're not. But that's the name of the article. So, okay. <laughs> Brody is not a trans uh, Latina woman. Um, nope. Just not that, that, that anyway, he, he just isn't. Um, anyway, I do want to segue from the other point that you were making, though, of lifting young voices up, giving them an opportunity, uh, because that is exactly the initiative that our guest is, is working on. And with that, I do want to welcome to the show Michael Cohen. Michael, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. It is it is thrilling for us to for you you to be here for us. Um, tell us about what's going on in Danger World. Henry Danger uh, just ended its run, and you're starting a new series. I hear. Yeah, yeah. So Henry Danger was on the air for about six years. We did we did uh, many episodes, and uh, we wrapped that about a year ago. And then uh, there was a spinoff that's been created called Danger Force. Um, same same writing team, same uh, same showrunner, uh, Chris Nowak. And uh, we have we've already aired a number of the episodes that aired uh, that we shot before we broke for quarantine in March. Um, but then uh, now we're back, uh, and we just shot another. Oh, geez, how many episodes? Like another. 12 episodes, I guess, and then we're going to come back in January again and shoot some more. So, um, yeah, we're doing our first season, 26 episodes in our first season, and uh, we've, been, we've been busy doing that. We even shot a couple episodes while we were in quarantine, kind of via, via Zoom, which was, which was an interesting, interesting uh, procedure. I bet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, the, the creative world has definitely both had its challenges and I think its successes in navigating the, the, the quarantine world and the Zoom world and, you know, bringing entertainment on a consistent basis with, with those um, impediments. It's really been sort of on an artistic level kind of thrilling to see um, what has been able to be accomplished. Um, what, mm-hmm. what is – you have started this initiative, which I think is fantastic on every level – um, reaching out to uh, trans and non-binary youth who who have an acting interest. Um, what is what do you see as the re- receptivity of the casting community in Hollywood, Nickelodeon, et cetera, towards um, transgender artists? Well, um, I guess that remains to be seen in a sense, but I know that. Um, in terms of this initiative, there has been incredible support. Um, so I know that the CSA, the Casting Society of America, has been very dedicated to doing uh, diversity open calls. They've been, you know, they had one specifically a couple of years ago for trans and non-binary people. Um, they're, you know, they're doing people of color. They're doing disabilities, all sorts of stuff. So they're very dedicated to diversity. And then in terms of casting directors that are working in TV and film in LA, um, I think it, it runs the gamut. I think that many of them are incredibly supportive and some people will still need some education. 
so I know that the people at Nickelodeon have been incredibly supportive and been very, very positive about this uh, initiative. Um, really excited to move it forward. Really excited to see the talent that's going to be submitting. Uh, really eager to cast kids who are trans and uh, and or non-binary in in upcoming projects. So um, on my end, it's been it's been really exciting. Um, is there a lot of work still to do in this in this industry with regards to seeing uh, trans and non-binary people? Absolutely. So it's kind of both, you know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, the one, I guess, um, thing that concerns me a little bit in some of the discussions, the creative discussions that I've had with different people, um, trans artists, trans actors, et cetera, is um, it gets kind of focused on the, uh, you know, people of whatever classification, whether they're cisgender or trans or, or non-binary, that those people be cast in parts that reflect that same identity. And for me, the close friends I have who, who, and, and I like how you have phrased this for yourself, have taken a transgender journey. Um, I don't see them transitioning. I see them as a gender. Um, I see them as the gender that they are, that they are. And I would like to see them cast that way and playing those parts. Um, I've, I've just been noticing in a lot of um, productions where, uh, for example, Big Sky has a character on it who is uh, transgender, and the the character kind of developed a point in the story, and then it was revealed that she was trans, and then it sort of went one note so far. And I noticed that yeah, on Grey's yeah. Anatomy, there was another transgender character that was revealed to be trans, and then the storyline like flatlined after that. And it was like, mm-hmm. I, I think there, it's not just casting; it's it's you know either show the dimensions of this person's story beyond the the revelation, um, and and cast them you know in as you know cast them as women. Cast them as cisgender women. Cast them as cisgender men. It's like it, they're that's that's who they're, they're yep. they they can be as a character. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I'm I'm like totally talking out of my school here. No, I mean there's so many things. I could just on that one thing, I could probably talk for five hours. <laughs> like how much time you got? I mean it's it's like okay, there's so many aspects of that. I mean you know look that. We, this is such a new concept to in casting and in storytelling. And, you know, fundamentally, you need people of trans experience in the writer's rooms. You need people of trans experience directing. You need people of trans experience producing. And then we're going to get the stories we need because, because otherwise it becomes very conceptual. And, and the people who are writing just don't, have the you can't write an experience you don't have in that regard it's it's too it's too it's too unique it's too misunderstood and um and that's why it's so important to have people in other aspects of production being involved in the storytelling you know the actor is is sort of the last step the actor is the person you know the actor has to say other people's words that you know they've written um 
And so we're put in a position, I mean, there's, there's many, <laughs> many roles that I have turned down because I knew I could not say the words. I would not do them because I couldn't say those words and be, and get behind them because they just weren't authentic. They weren't truthful to the story. And I, I just felt like I would be doing a disservice to their project by being on board because I couldn't, I, I just wouldn't be able to execute their concept of what this means. Um, so I think it's, uh, I think it's important to have representation in every aspect of production when you're telling a story that has, has a character that, that has transitioned or is, is a or non-binary or what, however they, they're, you know, whatever the gender identity is being uh, expressed as. But I think, um, I think the other aspect of it is, is the, what you're talking about is casting, which is casting people of trans experience in roles that the characters do not have trans experience. They're, uh, cis-bodied, cis-experienced people. And I think that's very valid. Um, I think that's been pretty much my career. That's, that's pretty much all the roles I've done. I've done, you know, one role for a Canadian production. It was fantastic that I, I loved uh, um, back in 2011, where my character was uh, originally supposed to be trans, but then became clear through the writing that it was an, actually an intersex character. So, um, you know, and I played that character. But other than that... Um, all my characters are, you know, they're not, they're not trans. So I, I like that. I, I really enjoy playing those roles. Um, I, I don't think that there's any one right way to go about your career as an actor. If you're a trans experience, whatever, whatever works. Um, yeah. Part of this, this part of this initiative uh, that I'm doing is I'm, I'm speaking, you know, constantly with casting, not just for, uh, danger force, but also very much with the heads of Nickelodeon casting in New York and LA who are in charge of all of casting for all of the shows. And we've had these conversations and they are completely on board, which is that it's really important that these kids that we're seeing, if there is any trans roles that are being written, that of course these, these kids, you need to cast a kid that is trans. However, if there are roles that are not trans, but these kids are right for them, they should be considered. They should be considered mm-hmm. right along everybody else. And that's a big reason why I'm doing this is because a lot of people who are adults are getting, you know, a lot of my friends who transition have, have been um, frustrated by the lack of opportunity for them in non-trans roles. And so I want this next generation of actors to come up with, getting a resume together of, and having experience playing all sorts of roles, whether cis, trans, whatever, they, have, they can do it all. And it's all based, you know, look, 75% of why we're cast is based on how we look. Our bodies tell a story. And if your body tells the story, why can't you play that story? You know, um, I, you know I present, I, you know, I've been privileged to have been able to transition and to present authentically as, I see myself, which is as a man, and so I get cast in, in roles that are for men. That's it. Bottom line. Straightforward. Yeah. No, so why can't I, I do it? In fact, I, I would love to see a, a sitcom cast with um, you and, and Julia Scotty. I, I think you guys would be – you're both kind of um, character actors, and I think you would be hilarious. I think there could be a, a great piece that – when and not have you play transgender – characters at all that play, you know, um, cisgender characters, you know, uh, it's, I, I think 
and and go just on your comedic talents, not on a history a, a history of the actor behind it. Um, I think that would be awesome. What what well, inspired you specifically for trans kids and this initiative? Um, what inspired me was oh, I've always wanted to do something like this, um, and the timing was right. I wanted I think. I've always been really passionate about helping trans youth. Um, and I, I worked, you know, I volunteered at a couple of summer camps for trans youth and I have worked um, as a lifeline counselor on the Trevor lifeline. And so I guess I've always been an advocate for trans youth. And, and then um, I also am an acting coach an acting teacher. And, and I really love developing people in acting and helping them and guiding them in the process. And I thought, wow, this would be an amazing opportunity to partner both of those things that I love to do along with, you know, leveraging the platform at Nickelodeon to create opportunity for, for these kids. Um, the other thing is that I've been getting, since the Time article came out about a year and a half ago, um, getting a lot of uh, DMs and emails and, and, you know, people reaching out, uh, parents of trans kids or the kids themselves saying, I really want to act. I'm really scared that, you know, my having transitioned or, or the, how I represent myself, how I present myself in the world is going to work against me, you know, and I don't know what to do, but I really love this. And you think I can still grow up and be an actor. And, and so I wanted to create support for those kids and, and show them that, that they can pursue their dreams. That, that, and that goes across the board for anybody, even if they're not into acting, if they're into whatever it is they want to do, that uh, having a trans experience, a non-binary experience, that that is just a, a wonderful aspect of your being that is that is something to celebrate, that is not something to limit yourself because of going through these things and that um, you can do whatever you want. You put your mind to it and you get the support. You find mentors. You find people around you that will help you and you go for it. Um, and that's what I wanted the kids to, to get from this. I, I think that is so awesome. I, I mean, I I took acting classes as as a child. I was um, in fourth grade and loved it and studied to be an actor. Didn't go that way, but it still is a huge, huge, um, wonderful thing for me because I, I think acting, even for kids who don't choose to continue, um, it the the process of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, taking on another person's personality, you know, and everything else does give you life perspective um, later. And um, I I think it's a a hugely, hugely, hugely valuable um, thing that they they can be pursuing. Um, So the process you, um, they can submit four they've submit four videotapes um, to be considered. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds more intimidating than it is, but you are correct. Uh, so <laughs> they have the um, <laughs> they're like, no, I'm not doing this. Ah. No. Um, but no, it's very, very, very easy. It can be done on your iPhone. Um, just get you know, good lighting, quiet place. You know, the first tape is really just you know, name, where they're from, you know, if they're a minor, how old they are, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, and this is all outlined on the website transyouthacting.com. And at the bottom, there's a sheet that says you click on its guidelines and it runs you through all of these things. But I'll just tell you briefly here. So, yeah, do a little slate. The next is the scene where 
when you click on the place to submit, there's a bunch of um, scenes. There's six scenes that the kids can choose from. Um, there's two that are more male identified, two female identified, and two that are gender nonspecific that can be suitable for anybody. Um, and so they choose a scene, they put that on tape, uh, and that's the second tape. Um, that's the real main one, you know. The third one is just tell us about yourself, 30 seconds, just talk to the, talk to the camera and say, hey, you know, talk about yourself. It can be related to their gender journey, or it can be, they don't have to mention anything about it. They can just talk about hobbies or siblings or whatever they like. And then the fourth tape is optional. That's just the tape of any special skill. So if they sing or dance or do puppetry or do characters or whatever they like, um, they can use that fourth tape to do that. They don't have to submit it. They'll still be considered equally if they don't have that fourth tape. Um, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and then everybody who submits, every single person who submits gets invited to the Nickelodeon casting team webinar, correct? Yeah, so we'll have a webinar for everybody who submits, and they can ask me or the ca- and, and the casting team at Nickelodeon any questions they want, um, and we'll, we'll be there to, to answer them and just have a conversation. Uh, so we'll be doing that uh, over Zoom. And then, um, and then we'll also be picking 12 finalists that we feel have like the most potential to be developed and, and to work with them. And they'll do a, a master acting master class with me over um, two different days, uh, two weekend consecutive weekends, um, focusing on acting skills. So I'm going to ask you the magic course line question that um, okay. an actor would have in, in their mind for you. What are you looking for? What, what are you looking for when you pick the 12? Oh, well, that's a great question. So, you know, look, kids often don't come with a lot of acting classes or training or skills. It's not, you know, it's not about, like, you know, how much have you done? Because most of the time they won't have done a whole lot. But what we're looking for is kids who, who really love acting uh, that uh, have, like, potential to, to be developed, that, that we see that they're, you know, there's something about them that really like, wow, if, if they just, they add a little, little training, they could probably move in this direction. Or maybe they're already, they are, maybe they already come in full potential. I don't know. But, but just showing some potential in terms of where we could take them. Um, we want to know that, that we can help them. You know, um, I want to know that I'll be able to help guide them to being, uh, to getting, going where they want to go. Um, and that there's potential for casting there. Um, and that they really want to do this. You know, I, I think it's motivation. Like some kids might come with potential, but they're not really into it. And they're like, ah, I think I'll just do this as a lark. Well, that's great. And I'll be really glad that they did. But in terms of being one of the 12, it's kids that really want to, um, really, really want to pursue acting in that moment, you know, right. try and, and develop them. Yeah. No, that that's phenomenal. I I I so want to do this. I'm like dying. It's like, <laughs> I don't qualify. Well, I can't sit in my tape. Damn it. I know. Well, we are telling like there, there are some people that um are like that might be in their young their early twenties or so and that can read in their teens and I encourage those people to also uh, submit because as long as they can play youthful, um, if they're trans or non-binary, then send the tape in even if they're you know, over 18. Um, but you yeah. sound like you're, 
more than you know you might be in your late 20s so that you might you might know <laughs> that would be a real acting feat on my part if i was able to convince you of that so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm, I'm 32 no <laughs> never mind and okay. be quiet brody um, uh, anyway, um <laughs> wait for it <laughs> yeah, I already outed Brody as not being a, a lovely um, Latina female, so he, he'll come back at me on that. Ah, uh, no, um, that was that was news to me. I had him, I, I had him figured all wrong all along. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, both of you all, just remember who's the journalist in the party. Okay. <laughs> Power of the pen. Oh wow, he's pulling rank now on this one. Okay. I know, really. Yeah, it's like, Absolutely. That just means he has to tell the truth. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, the one thing, though, and, and now I'm going to put on my, my old acting experience hat, um, what, is, what is your acting process when you, you have these 12 individuals? What is, what is your – because I know there are different approaches to acting um, that, that uh, the acting masters have, have presented. What – what is, what is the structure of, of your acting concepts? Uh, you mean what I'm going to be doing with the kids? You mean like in general? Yeah. I mean, um, well, both. Um, both. I mean, I think both. They're, okay. they're probably not unrelated. Well, not totally. But with the kids, it's going to be, um, you know, it's not like we have days and days and days. We were, It's really going to be, you know, it's going to be two classes. So we're really trying to – I think I'm going to individualize. I mean, when I teach – um, I don't teach huge classes. I don't, I don't, I don't, I won't work with like, you know, 20 scenes at a time. I'm working with a few scenes at a time. So um, I like to really individualize my approach and, and every student needs something different, you know? Um, and so I've studied all different types of approaches and um, I'm pretty eclectic in that. Uh, and, you know, bottom line is it's really about getting someone in their body and getting them present and connected with themselves. That's, that's the bottom line. That's, that's the fundamental thing about acting. And we have to get out of our own way to do that. So a lot of it is, you know, um, what I call uh, kind of transforming actor agenda into character agenda. So the actor agenda is really um, anything that's kind of more important to the actor. Character agenda is what's important to the character and the degree to which we can really uh, focus and hone in on the character agenda is the degree to which our performances will be alive and specific and interesting. Uh, the more we're focused on ourselves or there's something that's distracting us in, internally, uh, the less specific, the less enjoyable our performance will be. So it's really about helping the kids really be fully themselves, fully show up, what's in the way, transforming what's in the way into something empowering and helping them fully commit. Um, so there's that, that's something that I always focus on in all my classes. And then, you know, how to approach the text, how do you approach a script? What's important? You know, and I, I tell, I have a certain technique about how you approach your actual piece of paper in front of you and, you know, talking about the nouns and how nouns are important and your relationships, you know, with all of the nouns in the script, how do you feel about each of these things? Some things are important. Some things aren't. How do you tell what's important and what isn't? Um, so there's that. Um, and then there's characterization and what's important in characterization. And, and playing a character is an illusion. You know, it's like people, my, my character, Schwaz, has an accent. 
So when kids hear me in my real life, they're like, they, they get freaked out. They're freaked out because they're like, wait, you know, what happened to your accent? I don't understand. I'm like, okay, the accent is, is a part of the character. It's, it's, it creates the illusion of character. It creates this magic trick that I have become this other person. Um, so we talk about that. Um, and in this class in particular, we're going to be talking about, because it's so unique to, to trans and non-binary kids, is, is how do you protect yourself? How do you support yourself, take care of yourself, given that this is, this is a part of your experience as a human being? Um, and some of these kids, you know, it may not be right for them to be public about uh, being someone of trans experience. It may not be right for them it, it's because they're kids. They might not be mm-hmm. ready to make that choice. And if they make that choice now, it's going to follow them for the rest of their lives. And, you know, that's a, it's a serious consideration. And so, you know, it's something that we're taking very seriously in this project that the, their anonymity needs to be very respected and that if they choose to disclose that they're a part of this, that's fine. Um, that's great. If they choose not to, that's fine. That's great. It's, really a personal decision up to them and their parents. So we want to support them in that, and we're not going to be disclosing anything. Um, and if we do, it's only with their permission, and it's really only if they get cast in a, a role that is uh, for a trans role. So um, we're going to be talking about all of those elements. So there's the acting part, and then there's also, like, the business of acting part, given that, you know, who they are, how can they do this so that they can make sure that they are making decisions that will support them for the rest of their lives. That you know, I, that last that part, I think is, yeah, no, yeah. that's amazing that you're going to do it in two days. But that last part, I think, for just from my perspective of having, when I was younger, doing acting classes and, you know, I studied in college and everything else, that was the part they always left out. They never went into the business of it. And that is the part that I wish desperately they had done because it, it's, it, it is formidable, you know, trying to approach the business and not understanding what to do and how to do it and to remove your emotion out of it, your, your um, vulnerability out of it, that, you know, that to not take things personally, but, you know, build a shell, you know, so that you can do business around your craft and not just, um, you know, put it out like your psyche is being judged. Um, so, you know, excellent, yeah. excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, what have, you know, got a couple of different questions here. One is obviously for Brody and myself, we're absolutely thrilled over this project and think it's, it's incredible. I am sure you are getting some negative backlash from some quarters. What, what yeah. negativity are you encountering and how are you answering it? Um, well, I, I think that fundamentally it's just a complete misunderstanding of what um, the trans experience is, what it means, and what it means to kids. Um, so the, I've been getting far more positive response than negative. Um, and um, the negative is, I'm, I choose to respond to it by not responding to it. I don't give it any energy. I'm like, nothing, there's no use in me wasting my time engaging with someone who is completely certain that they're right about something they know nothing about um, and isn't open to, to knowing about it. 
and that I just don't, you know, if someone comes to me, you know, which hasn't happened yet, but if someone comes to me with those beliefs and negativity, but they're saying, I don't understand this. I want to debate this with you and maybe I'll learn something. I'm like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a very different thing. And I've yet to see that happen. So my, my, I, I just basically, anything that I, that I, I I've been, ha- I've had some uh, responses on my social media that go against the code of conduct for Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And I've reported them and they get removed. Um, and that's that, you know, I'm, I'm too busy focusing on helping the people that are, you know, positive and, and, uh, you know, I want to align with those people. I'm not going to align myself with people who are just completely trolling basically. Right. So, right. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I yeah, think there it, needs to be much, more. There needs to be more education, and 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 there needs to be more understanding about gender identity as it develops in, in kids. Um, you know, this is it, it, it's different than sexuality. We're not talking about sexuality. We're talking about gender identity. And what's ironic to me is that the 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 naysayers have no. It's no. There's no question to them that a, a cis kid would know that they're a boy or a girl. Like if they say to a three-year-old, are you a boy or girl? And, they, and the kid says, I'm a boy, and they look like a boy, then there's no question that that kid is wrong. But if a kid is trans and they say their gender identity, well, that kid must be wrong. There must be something wrong with them. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. So it's, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. And um, there needs to be more education out there about how gender identity forms and what it means. In, in kids and that it is ext- extremely valid and that, that kids need to be empowered to speak their truth and, and believe. You know, it doesn't mean you put them on hormones at five. You don't. Kids don't go on, they don't go on hormones until they're 16. They're not allowed to. So um, yeah. it's, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Right. No, absolutely. Um, one area that, um, and I'd love to hear how, if they're if you're making and, and I'm sure you are uh, distinguishing the difference between this and but more importantly how like Nickelodeon casting people are distinguishing the difference is between actually um, a youth who identifies as trans versus a youth who is identifying as non-binary. So how is how is Nickelodeon casting making that differentiation? Is that your question? Yeah, and and because the, I mean the thing that I've observed with a lot of media and and shows is um, where trans characters are appearing now and again. Um, obviously, not enough, but there are you know there are now now different places where trans characters are showing up. Non-binary is almost non-existent. Well. Um... There are definitely more and more characters out there that are non-binary, um, much more than there's ever been. I think, what, and I could be wrong about this, but but I think, and that you're seeing that the non-binary characters are going to tend to be a little bit older. Um, you know, they're they're going to be in their teens. If we're going to have kids right. that are trans, they tend to, you know, I think that the kids that we're going to see who are younger are going to be like, hey, I'm, I'm actually a boy, even though I was assigned a female at birth and that kind of thing. It's, it's going to be more along those lines. I think the non-binary thing, I think it's a process to get there. It's a, it's a bit of a, 
you know, more of a discovery process for those kids from the, from the people that I've spoken with. And again, I'm not non-binary, so I may be, you know, I, I may not know what I'm talking about in that respect, but that's been my impression. Um, I think there's more and more roles for non-binary youth. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I, you know, GLAD puts these things out in terms of their percentages every year. They have a report. So I'd be, interesting to, I'd be interested to see what their report is around characters who are non-binary and trans and the comparison. I, I know for right, Nickelodeon, yeah, no. look, uh, like, uh, talking to casting and Nickelodeon, they're like, we just want funny, talented kids. Any shape or form or color or orientation or gender identity, we just want funny, talented kids. That's what they care about. They want to tell great stories for kids with great kids. So that's great. That's great. They're not, they're just, that's their agenda. And that's why they're so supportive of, of this. Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think it would be interesting. Um, uh, I'm, I've done a lot of work in the Santa Cruz, California area and Santa Cruz has a thing called the queer youth leadership awards, which they have actually been doing for 20 some years. So it's like oh, they've wow. been recognizing, Youth, yeah, it was like real forerunners of, of that kind of recognition. And a lot of the kids that I've worked with that have been nominees and winners and all that, uh, there are a great amount that identify as non-binary, and it is very different. I mean, it's, it's people who, yep. who only use, um, you know, the they genders. They don't, they don't identify as he or she and... Yeah. Um, I've just noticed on documentaries how even older transgender people don't relate to that. You know, it's like uh, there. Uh, Katie Kirk yeah. did a wonderful um, documentary on the transgender experience, and um, she was interviewing a younger trans trans person and an older one, and the older one was like, "No, it's like you're you know you're one or the other, and you transition to the other." And that's the way it yeah. is. Like the younger one was going, no, um, no not really. No, no. So it, yeah, it's just no, uh, it's, education it's, it's, on it's, all it's, parts. It's a very legitimate gender identity, non-binary. I mean, it's, it's literally non-binary. So there's the binary. I fit into the binary, right? There's a lot of, a lot of people fit into the binary, uh, whether they're trans or cis, right? Um, and then there's people who don't fit into the binary. They legitimately are, you know, they'll say they're either uh, male or they're they're male and female or neither male or female. You know they're 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 it's a, it's its own gender in a sense. Um and I, and I right you know, I, I I talked about the, I had this incredible insight once that I went oh now I get it, which is that the reason why we're so stuck on binary is because reproduction is binary. Like you need a sperm and you need an egg and those come from two different sexes. So in the sense like sex and anatomy other than of course there's intersex people and that's completely valid as well right um but in order for reproduction to happen it happens in a binary way and that's what people are caught up in that's why gen they don't just that that we think that gender is connected to to reproduction and it's like well no not really (laughs) you know gender identity doesn't have really anything to do with reproduction it's a sense of self. So it gets confusing for people. Um, what your body is able to do reproductively is not necessarily correlated 
with your gender identity. And that's a tough no, question. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. We need we need to get that quote right there carved in granite. That is the argument that I have been making for years. My trans friends have made this argument. My non-binary friends have made this argument. We we I cannot stress that argument enough. That is absolutely goes to the heart of the issue itself. And well, I yeah, think that is, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I'm, go ahead. Well, you, no, it's just that. You know, and I say this, you know, Rob is, you know, this is more his kind of a show. Not going to lie, that's why I've been sitting on the sidelines. I'm a political reporter, um, and I deal with the politics and the machinations of the policies and the court cases and all of that nonsense. But I can tell you, as a journalist, as someone who's worked as a political reporter for 42 years and in queer media for the last, well, I guess almost 14 now, one of the biggest problems is that they think in this very narrow tracking and because they think in that very narrow tracking, it limits possibilities. And then in turn, that causes issues. You know, at at one point, Mike, we had, I think it was in 2010, Rob, somewhere in there, we had a pandemic of LGBTQ youth who killed themselves. It seemed like Mm -hmm. every day I was writing a story about another queer kid that, you know, fought themselves. And I was getting tired of it. One of the reasons for this happening, okay, is what you just outlined. And and, and just a casual observation as someone who, you know, doesn't know that much about the entertainment industry, but I think what you're doing here with these kids is critically important, and here's why I think so. This isn't about a reflection of, you know, the one side of it, the glamour, the celebrity, the look at me, I'm in front of the camera. I think it goes more deeper than that. I think it is a reflection of a striving by these kids, and by kids I mean the 0 to 24 crowd, okay, who are striving to be authentic and authentically themselves. And when right. someone like you comes along and says, okay, you know, I've had my let's, – let's put you behind – you know, or put you in front of a camera and behind a script, and let's let's have you do that. Only I want you to do it as this person, not yourself, but I want you to be able to be flexible. You're giving voice to something that I've talked to a lot of queer kids, Mike, and they've all told me this. For years and years and years, they have to be natural actors if they're closeted because they're two separate people. They already can identify within mm-hmm. those roles. I don't know how it was for you growing up, but as a gay man, I can tell you that's exactly how it was growing up, you know, for me in Canada. You couldn't be gay. You couldn't even get close to that. So you learn to act. You learn to be someone else. And I, I think that it all strives for the two points. The first part of my argument that I chimed in with and the second part, which is why I think what you're doing needs this kind of validation and needs this kind of signal boost. Um, and with that, I will quietly go back and sit on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I think I think it's a great point, and I I totally relate to what you just said, Brody, about the acting ability from how we lived our lives. I think that that lends itself to the whole creative mindset of queer people is that we we the the byproduct of us having to hide and formulate some public persona that wasn't us. Was it was a creativity that that became innate in a lot of different ways, but Michael, uh, we are we're quickly running out of time here, so I want to get some of the uh, 
the necessaries um, out there. How do people sign up for this? How do they connect with you, um, you know, and uh, send in their tapes? Okay, great. Well, if they go to the website, which is transyouthacting.com, transyouthacting.com, and then they'll see, um, they scroll down the page, there's a, a video that talks about the challenge a little bit. But the second part where there's a blue, it's like in a blue background, is where they can actually create their submission. It's completely free. They click on that. They have to make a little, like a little um, uh, profile in Actors Access. Just, just how we, that's just our portal. That's how we can see the tapes. They'll find the scenes there. And then they scroll down. Um, I do, there's a little self-tape tutorial that I show about for that second tape for the audition. But if they scroll down to the bottom where there's an orange background, they'll see it says audition guidelines. And if they click on that, they will, it will walk them through every single step, every, all, like the four things that they need to submit, which is very easy to do, um, some technical tips on how to do it. And uh, it just uploads onto that uh, Actors Access portal, which is the, the link in the second square on the website. So they just have to click on that, create a submission, upload their tapes, and then they're done. Um, our deadline right now is December, is December 23rd. Um, we're primarily looking at, you know, submissions from U.S. and Canada, but if someone submits from outside U.S. and Canada, we will definitely take a look at it. Um, and we're looking at, again, December 23rd. Um, there's a possibility we may extend it. I don't know, but they should try and get it into the 23rd, and, uh, and that's, that's what we're aiming for right now. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for this project. Um, it's all incredibly wonderful, and um, I, I absolutely love it. Um, we, we have one minute left. What, what are your final last words on this? Uh, well, well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me, and I want to thank everybody for listening. I think that, you know, just if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, then, you know, I love you. Um, you know, if you have any questions about, if you have any questions about this, just there's an email on the website, uh, which is, T-Y-A-C, A-C, Trans Youth Acting Challenge, T-Y-A-C at Nick.com. If there's any questions, um, reach out to me, you know, reach out to us. Yeah, and, and just encourage, please spread the word. Let, you know, tell as many people as you know about this project. And then keep an eye on what we're doing in the, in the new year because there's going to be some big things happening um, at Nickelodeon and with this project. So please stay in touch. So completely, completely exciting. Thank you. Thank Nickelodeon for for doing this, uh, that that in itself is is awesome. I want to thank Brody for his part of the show and everything he does. Um, and as editor of the LA Blade, um, check that out online. Um, we will be back here again next week with another show. Uh, well, maybe we will. Next week's Christmas, so we'll see. Anyway, uh, we will be back. We promise we will be back no matter what. And um, we are, are thrilled to be here, and we're thrilled to have you. Um, for Brody and myself, we will talk to you again very, very soon. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. 